the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jew and Gentile alike, we are responsible for our sin before God. God, in his kindness and mercy, extends grace, as we'll see today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Grace and responsibility. They go hand in hand, and in God's economy, they both fit hand in glove. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church right here in San Jose. We're back in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29 today. It's there that we catch up with Pastor Gary as we focus in on the grace of God in Christ as he deals with the responsibility you and I have for our sin before him. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast. Join us. God's chief honor is when we yield to his truth, all reverence and obedience. That is his chief honor. And when we don't, and when we are just content with things are, oh, I, you know, I listen to sermons that are last an hour, and I'll sit and listen to an hour sermon, and I'm going to the church that it doesn't have all those bells and whistles Isn't that better? Aren't I better? No, you're not. And neither am I, because if we don't hear God's truth and then do it, we're robbing God of his glory, and that it makes us worse than a thief. He asked a question in verse 22. To you who says a man shall not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Now listen carefully. Now you can go with this in a lot of different ways. Obviously, the Gentile word was totally in the septic tank of sexual filth. Even the Jews went whoring after others. But the Lord had wedded himself to them. And of course, for us, the Lord Jesus is called our head. And he's called our husband. And how do we show our love and loyalty to him? John said in fourteen fifteen, if you love me. Keep my commandments. But you know, you've got to make this personal. If we are Christians, we have a husband. Every single one of us. So did we kiss him on the mouth today? Or did we stab him with a dagger which he was crucified with? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see... We can complain all we want about the filth in this culture, pornography and such and all this other stuff. Guess what? Unbelievers are unbelievers. And there's always going to be unbelievers until they are made otherwise by the work of God's Holy Spirit. But it ought to be different in the church. It ought to be different where the bride of Christ assembles 
God offers to set up within us the kingdom of purity, a kingdom of modesty, a kingdom of decency, a kingdom of self-control and nobility for each one of us, where each one of us possesses our vessels in sanctification and in honor. So what of it? Paul asked the Jews and the Holy Spirit asked us today. Are you committing adultery against Jesus? You may be so concerned about your best friend committing adultery against his wife. Are you whoring after another God? Are you flirting with another religion? Are you ladies, young ladies, dating an unbeliever? Not obeying something so clearly revealed in scripture and you know it? Are any of you in bed with friends that have no fear of God and they are dragging you away from the lover of your soul who loved you and gave himself up for you? Think about it. We need to see how precious the grace of God is because it cost the life of the Son of God for us on the cross. But we can complain all we want about the perverts out there. Are we perverts? Paul asked the Jews this. He says, you who abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? The Jews complain about those idolatrous Gentiles, but they were no different. In Acts 19, there's this weird reference. And I'm not going to go to it today because this is kind of a side point. But when Paul was in one of the cities preaching, he had to defend himself against the charge of robbing temples. And it may be that in this time, we don't know all the details, but oftentimes the Jews did break into pagan temples and steal the idols. The historian Josephus records that one of the things Moses said that is not in Scripture, that when the children of Israel were gathered together right at the end to get to the eastern side of the Jordan before he did, he told them, do not desecrate the temples and do not take the idols into your own home. And in Deuteronomy 7.25, he said, burn them. So we can complain against idolatry all we want to. But as Paul asked them, are you idolaters? Do you dabble with the idolatry of this world? Do any of you check your horoscopes? Do any of you look to your lucky numbers for some reason or another? God says, don't have anything to do with that filth. Don't bring it into your house. Don't have anything to do with it. Burn it. Then Paul asks a cumulative question in verse 23. Thou that makest any boast of the law through breaking the law, do you dishonor God? We've got to ask ourselves these questions. And really, they all boil down to one. Do you not think? What have we done with God's grace to us? Have we truly loved him? Have we walked with him? Consider our added privileges for just a moment. Because even though we have these, we have so many more. Anyone sin this week? Of course, we all must answer a big yes. Anyone sin a lot this week? Again, if we're honest, we all have to answer yes. In many, many ways we have sinned, even in ways we really don't know. 
You know, one of the blessings of the new covenant, though, is that superior to these blessings here, is that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, that righteous one. So that if we do sin, he is the propitiation for our sins. He remains sufficient and powerful in his one-time offering on the cross to obtain our cleansing, our full cleansing, and our pardon from sin. Oh, beloved, what a privilege. What grace. When he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, he poured out the Holy Spirit. Was there any good in you this week? That was the work of the Holy Spirit. Did any passage of Scripture that you were reading this week come to you with power and conviction, leading you to pray and seek the Lord and confess sin and seek grace to do better? The Holy Spirit did that. The J- Jesus did that by His Holy Spirit because He has bound Himself and His presence in our lives through that Spirit. We have our Savior's presence with us all the time. He's never far from us. We are his living temple. We are his throne and his kingdom. He says in 1 Peter that you are my kingdom of priests. What a credible privilege we have. If Satan attacks, Christ defends. If we are discouraged, he comforts. If we go through afflictions, the Son of Righteousness promises to arise with healing on his wings if we will seek him. If we are fearful, his promise comes to us. It is right here. And he says, what? Be not afraid. It is I. Be not afraid. I am the same who walked on the water. I am the same who stilled the storms. I am the same who stood and took the wrath of God that you deserved. It is I. Be not afraid. I am with you till the end of the age. If we are in dark times, his truth blazes more brightly so we can know the way to holiness and our heavenly home. Everything God has ever said in his word. Every promise is sealed to us in Jesus. It is ours. This Jesus for us is our life. He is our resurrection. We have no reason to fear even death. I've heard lately, and I'm sure some of you as well, the young people and women dying early of heart attacks, cancers, and all sorts of things. But Christ said, I am the resurrection. Don't be afraid. I've already taken the sword of justice that makes death so fearful for the sinner to consider. I've taken it upon myself because I am your bread. I am your water. I'm your wine. I'm your door. I'm your shepherd. I'm your vine. I'm all of your strength. I'm your truth. I'm your way. I am your life. All of these privileges, all of these are ours, my friends. And they do bring tremendous responsibility upon us. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. When you hear men say, grace, 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 it's probably okay to cuss a little bit, right? Grace, 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 a little now, a little sin now. 
ask for forgiveness later. It, it, you know, it's kind of like the government's philosophy, isn't it? Spin now, pay it back later. This is cheap, greasy grace. What does God say? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise you so when we hear of privilege when we hear of grace we ought to think okay responsibility now be careful this is not about guilt the guilt has been taken away this is not about merit because we don't have any and we never will have any and this is not about earning anything then what is it? Is it the fear of judgment? No, Jesus already bore my judgment. So it's not guilt, it's not fear, it's not judgment, it's not legalism, adding things to Scripture. So what is it? Well, I don't want to seem too simplistic here, but it is gratitude, it is love, it is joy. Look what God has done for me. Look at what He has given me. By laying all of my filth upon the back of a son. Lord, take my life. I'm yours. Do with me what you will. I want to serve you. I want to please you. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Lord, I want to love you. So how do I do that? It says, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God. Now, before I finish reading this, the opposite of this is that we shall be overcome by the world. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They are not a burden for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's the same thing that Jesus said, if you love me. Keep my commandments. Understand if you are living a life of flagrant sin, you do not love God. In fact, I'll go as far as to say you are a God-hater. You are a God-hater, and you might say, yeah, but no one's perfect. I'm not talking about perfection. Perfection has nothing to do with this. We will never be perfect in this life. But let me ask you, what do you do with your imperfection? Do you weep over them and say, God, I want to love you more. I want to please you more. And I find in me, like Paul did in Romans 7, this filthy old man has been crucified. Sin no longer has dominion over me, so at least I can cry out to God for mercy. But the old man is still there, and I have to fight against him. And when I would do good, evil is present with me, and I have... And I hate my wretchedness, but thanks be to God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. If that is you, even if you are sinning, but you're hating your sin and you're pleading mercy 
and you're coming back to the cross, guess what? Those sins are forgiven and you receive grace and strength so that you can love God more and you can obey him more devoutly and please him and walk worthy of the calling with which he has given you. But if you are here today and you don't care two cents about your sin and you don't care two cents about what other people think about your sins and you want to sit out there and live like you want to, And on the side say, oh, my Jesus, 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 oh, my God, God, God. Then understand you are really a God hater, at least at this point. It's not a question of perfection. It's not a question of have we taught ourselves. Are we humbled by God's grace and mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ? And when we see the sin that is left in us, we must weep over it. We must hate it and to long to turn from it. Now, we haven't looked at verse 24. So turn with me in conclusion of the chapter and the sermon. There is more motivation, Paul gives us, not to receive God's grace in vain and to live this life of obedience. As a Christian, this is a joyful life, is it not? Oh, I hope you know this, because God has given us his whole word. I don't just have the law and the prophets. I have the law and the prophets, and I have the apostles. I've got God's completed revelation. And as true Christians, we are all recognizing that we are weak and sinful, and we can encourage one another. If you are young, you can go to someone older and say, hey, I'm I'm really struggling with this, and I hate it. Yes, I've struggled with this too. I've hated it also. But let me tell you what the Lord has taught me, and then let's pray about it. So we are all of one mind in this. What a privilege it is to be free of guilt and judgment, to be free of the fear of death from some twisted sense that my performance merits something before God, and rather to be looking at the cross and looking at the empty tomb and the throne and saying, Jesus has done it all, and I want to devote myself to the one who loves me and gave himself for me. And we need incentive. So look at what happens, verse 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through who? Through you, as it is written. He's quoting here from Isaiah 52. Now, what happens when we do receive God's grace in vain? And this is what happened to the Jews. Now, we could have an- he could have answered the question here by saying, Christians get a bad name. And no one will take us seriously if we are hypocrites. I mean, all of that is true, but there is something deeper here. God has bound his name to his people in this world. At baptism, he puts his name upon us. If you have been baptized, you carry the name of the living God upon yourself wherever you go. You are a child of God. And just as the way an earthly child lives, it will either bring credit or dishonor upon his father. 
So at a much higher level, the way we live as professing Christians is either going to bring credit and praise and reality to God's grace, or it will bring dishonor. This is what happens if we are God's people and are inconsistent with our profession of faith or don't attempt to walk in a way that is worthy of our calling. God's name is then blasphemed. Sometimes this is direct. We see it at the movies, even in common people's language. We hear it on the radio. Do you know the two reasons why people blaspheme the name of God? One, culture is burned out, and the more they turn away from God, the more they hate Him, and so they take His name in vain. A second reason is people don't live in such a way that causes the world to tremble before the name of God, because sometimes the blasphemy is indirect. Now listen carefully. If our lives deny grace, guess what the world is going to do? It is going to deny that grace even exists. If we're sitting here, oh, yeah, yeah, I go to church on Sunday, but, you know, I, I, I do go to work on Monday morning, and by the end of the day, I'm cursing and I'm complaining, and the world says all of this gospel stuff, all of this Jesus stuff, it ain't real. It's not real. And what do they say to God when they say it's not real? You see, they blaspheme God's name because His grace is oh so real. And you see, we have an incentive here in this. Paul is using this to say, look at what happened to you Jews because you received God's name in vain. But for us, it is an incentive, particularly when we see God's truth under attack. I don't want for people to look at my life and have an excuse for their own unbelief. You know, if we have any zeal, like Calvin said, a dog barks when his master is attacked. Do we have any zeal for God's honor? I don't know, because I don't hear much barking out there. What must we do? Obey. Like Peter says, be godly by godly lives we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, not to gain credit for ourselves, but to gain credit for God and the reality of his marvelous salvation in this world. Please, brothers and sisters, do not receive the grace of God in vain, but be humbled by it. Go home this Lord's Day evening and Think about all of the blessings that our Savior has purchased for us by His life and by His death and by His resurrection. And if you don't know Him today, oh, please come to Him. He says, come to learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Look to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. Trust the Lamb of God. Confess your sins and look to His cross and say, You are my only sacrifice for my sins. You took my judgment on your back on the cross, all the wrath that I deserved. And believing that, ask yourself these questions. What have I done with grace? What have I done with it? But put it in a box like the Jews... Hey, yeah, I've got the Bible. Woo-hoo. Hey, yeah, I'm reformed. I'm pretty smart. And I actually believe in predestination. But do you really teach yourself? Are you humble before the majesty of God? Do you seek to honor Him? 
And do you study his word? Not out of guilt. Because guilt is absolutely powerless. Emotional manipulation is powerless. Frustration is powerless. The fear of God of judgment is powerless. Fear of what other people think of you is powerless. There is only one thing that brings power unto godliness. And that is humility before the grace of God and Jesus. Oh, look who my God has done for me. When I was filthy and laid all of this on the back of his son. And he has given me his truth. He's given me heaven. He's given me hope. He's given me life. He has given me his own son. Oh, thank you, Lord. How can I serve you? Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.